Welcome back to the card pool. I'm your host, Kyle. And I'm Stu. And welcome back to another video covering our favorite Mirrodin set. New Phyrexia. Yeah. And we're taking right. a look at the money cards this time. We are. So to count it down from one to 10, Let's just start it off. Go to number one, right? Yeah, let's see what the big bling's all about. And Kyle, uh, you got it. All right, I will take it. So number one for this set, coming in at $63, is the Planeswalker Karn Liberated. So to start off, he's a seven mana, colorless Planeswalker, the very first of his kind, with six loyalty, has three massive abilities, plus four, target player exiles a card from their hand, minus three, exile target permanent, or minus 14, restart the game, leaving in exile all non-Aura permanents exiled with Karn Liberated, then put those cards onto the battlefield under your control. Wow, that is a lot to think about right there. This is legit the Planeswalker that we see memed about. People are able to actually get this out turn one. And I mean, takes a lot of hoops to go ahead and do this, but still, it's possible. It absolutely is. As crazy as that sounds, it is. But yeah, I mean, this is absolutely one of the most powerful Planeswalkers ever printed. And not only for the reason that he fits into every deck because he's colorless. Ugin does, but it's not on this level. Uh, no, the, the fact that this, I mean, the plus four, that's the biggest plus we've ever seen on a Planeswalker. Yeah. And the fact that he gets up to 10 loyalty immediately when he hits the battlefield makes him very difficult to just straight up get rid of with damage. Yeah. Most of those little creatures that are going to be out in the field, they can chip away provided there's nothing in like preventing that to happen. So this is something that's going to stay around. It's also going to remove permanence, which means land. So yeah, if you get this exile. out on turn one, you pretty much can handicap them uh, yeah. for as long as you want. Which is, yeah, which is a great ability to have to use twice, even if you're not doing anything but else. But the really cool and interesting thing about this, and I've mentioned this many times before, this ultimate, what it does is this is the only thing that we really have in the game that can get rid of Planeswalker emblems. Yeah, well, and pretty much anything else. <laughs> yeah, but the main thing also is because it's more or less like, if you think about it, you're in one room, and then you go into another one. The emblems in the first room, and now you're here. That's the best way to kind of visualize how that effect works with that. I mean, the restarting of the game is really cool also like that. Like, you can go ahead and make it so their deck is running out of things, so you can keep doing this over and over again. Eventually, there's no deck. So, it's... He's mm -hmm. powerful for many reasons. He can do so much. He's also utilized in Commander. He's not as highly needed for it though no but he does fit the bill for a lot of things oh yeah i mean i would consider it if i could afford one yeah yeah but, totally yeah this is a great great card obviously very sought after competitively that's why it's this expensive and i don't really have much more to say about it other than it's awesome yeah, it's totally <laughs> awesome but moving yeah. on to number two we have another super competitive card as well mm -hmm. it's called surgical extraction and that art is just amazing it costs one phyrexian black mana which which is either you pay a swamp or you pay two life for it. Um, you go ahead and you choose a card in a graveyard other than a basic land, and you search the owner's graveyard, hand, and library for any number of cards of the same name as that card, and then that player shuffles his or her library. And then you go ahead and you exile the other cards. I forgot to mention yep. that as well. So this is a super utilized card in competitive games, uh, typically outside of Commander for the fact that people are using duplicates of cards. Right, which you don't see happen in Commander. Yeah, and being able to take out a full play set of a card that they have like literally groom their entire deck around hurts for literally 
two life unless you really want to pay the mana. Yeah, this is an instant speed, which means it can come out at any time. And the best part about this in modern is you can shove this into pretty much any deck because all you, oh, you don't totally. need the colors. All you have to do is pay two life. Yeah, that's what matters. It here. There's no real restrictions on that. It's it's so it, the the hate with this card is so real. Yeah, I mean you could use Tormod's Crypt, you could use Relic of Progenitus, sure. sure. But if you just want to straight up get rid of a card and never see it again this game, this is where it's at. Yeah. So this is literally yeah. taking it to a whole nother level, and I mean. It's warranted. If you go ahead and you make it so you're constantly discarding people's stuff in their hands, alright, you can do this turn one and take out a lot of other stuff. And I mean, there's, just use your imagination. We, we Again, we don't see this too much in Commander, which makes it so like the deck that's all about Relentless Rats is always safe. <laughs> but Yeah, it could hurt there, It for would sure. really hurt there, like, yeah. but again, that's timing on other things. Or Shadowborn Apostle, or that there's a new couple blue things. advisor weird one, but yeah. There are some things where it could hurt in Commander. It just doesn't happen very often. Declaration in Stone. Yeah. So, true. but yeah. So it. Yeah, we don't see it too much. It's a forty-three dollar card. If you want one for Commander, use it. But I don't think you really need it. Probably not. This next one, however, you absolutely oh, will this see is, a lot of. This is probably the best Praetor on the list. Uh, probably. At number yeah. three, we're looking at Elish Norn Grand Xenobite. Mm -hmm. Now, I read the last one. It's your germs. All right. Well, this is a seven-mana creature, a four-seven Praetor with Vigilance. Other creatures you control get plus two, plus two. And creatures your opponents control get minus two, minus two. Again, we see with the Praetors, the one thing they all pretty much have in common is they give you a big advantage, and they give your opponent an equally big disadvantage. Yeah. This one being that anything that has a toughness of two or less dies the second it hits the battlefield, and all of your guys get a huge boost on top of it's that. It's so powerful. That's re it's really good. This, this <laughs> is a pseudo board wipe, more or less, but it's more so because it's constantly, it's a static effect mm. that makes it so, again, it, it's it's more or less like you can't play creatures until this is gone. Yeah, it's, I'm not convinced that this is the most powerful Praetor, but it's pretty close. It's really high up yeah. there. Just for, again, how simple it is to just go ahead and do stuff blanket the moment it comes into play. The other ones take maybe a little bit more time, but that's what makes this so versatile. And also, it's got the coolest Judge promo of all time as well. Yeah, well, and also, let's look at the stats. I mean, for seven mana, you get a four seven with Vigilance. There's not much that's going to kill that in combat or anywhere else. Just unless Death Touch, but still, that's on a 1-1 one, one little rat typically or whatever, so that's already going to be out of the equation too. Uh, right, and then if this thing gets copied by more than one player, everybody else is going to have a terrible time <laughs> yeah. because just nothing is going to get yeah. played. I've been in those situations before. It's not fun. It's so good because you two are just like, oh, we have a regular game, and all you guys who are below four toughness are now... Everybody else just hates themselves. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. it's incredible. <laughs> oh, man. Let's move on to another card <laughs> that is less, less obvious than these couple that we've done so I far. I don't think this is any less obvious. All right, at number four, we have one of the swords. This one is of War and Peace. This is a $20 card that has the traditional setup as these swords do. It costs three mana to come in as an equipment, and for two mana, you can go ahead and equip it. The creature then goes ahead and gets plus two, two, and has protection from red and white. Also, it has whenever the equipped creature deals damage to a player, this goes ahead and deals damage to the player equal to the number of cards in his or her hand, and you gain that much life for each card. This In like, your hand. In your hand, I'm yeah. sorry. Words and reading, not my specialty. <laughs> but either way, I'll digress into something else of 
what this actually does. This is a super strong card, just for one, getting the protection and the boost. You don't need that whole other paragraph right there. This alone is worth, still a mythic, maybe even close to the same price mm -hmm. still. Now, getting the other effect is just icing on their cake. People aren't really using this for that, but it does work. With the other swords, we usually want the other effects. You untap your lands, you go ahead, you disc make people discard stuff, whatever. It's just... Just that protection alone is so, so stinking strong. Yeah, but the other abilities just don't make this card worth it, in my opinion. I mean, protection is fine. Red and white are some of the best colors for creatures, so getting around them and is not bad. And also, removal. yeah, damage-based removal, targeted removal, also very good. But the, the other ability, like the dealing damage or gaining life equal to cards in hand, I've seen a lot of different variations on this effect, and I never get excited by it, because it's, it's just, who cares, you know? But and, life is not as consequential as, like, mm. in Commander, as we usually see it. So, like, it, it's small peanuts compared to the other swords that we do see, where it's, like, untapping all your lands. Who doesn't want that effect, especially exactly. for a deck that doesn't have green in it? You yeah. don't get that effect too easily. But again, this is something that you do see as a staple in Voltron decks. This is a highly tutored card, especially if you're versing a deck that has red and white in it. So it's just, a. usually if you have one sword, you have the rest, and the Voltron deck is complete. Yeah, not one of the better swords, though. There are ones that are way better than this one. It is, but again, this is still a very strong asset. Yeah, it can be. But next card up is much more narrow, but wow, is it good. <laughs> it is scary. So, yeah, number five on our list for $19 is Phyrexian Obliterator. Now, the name says it all on this one. It is a 5-5 with Trample for four mana, and it's quadruple black. So, I mean, just look at that thing. It is a horror in every sense. Not only that, but when a source deals damage to Phyrexian Obliterator, that source's controller sacrifices that many permanents. Let's just think about that for a second. This there was back in way back in the Urza block, there was a creature Phyrexian Negator that I think cost uh, not Phyrexian Negator. Yeah, that's what it was. So it was also a 5-5 with Trample, and I think it costed maybe three. I don't think it was four. That's wild. But it had an ability. That it didn't have trample, but it had an ability when it was dealt damage, you had to sacrifice that many permanents. So they totally flipped it. It wasn't really, it wasn't, well, back then it was very good. In the modern sense, it's not really that great. Flipping it around, though, makes that ability insane. And that's what we get here. Because yeah. what do you even do with this? Like, you don't attack you can, into no, it. You don't attack into it, you don't block it. I mean, you can kill it pretty easily, but then again, you can kill almost anything these days in Magic. But yeah, this this thing is terrifying. Really sell it high, Kyle. This thing is terrifying when it, when it hits the board because, yeah, I mean, it's it's extremely powerful on its own. It's also a great Black Devotion enabler. The yes. Grey Merchant that you played just got really, really happy. So it also discourages any Aramis. kind of... Yeah, that too. Any kind of damage-based removal stinks against this card because then you're going to have to sacrifice. Blasphemous Act, worst thing you could possibly play yeah, against Yeah, actually, I, I played one game where there's like a newer player who went ahead and did that and didn't realize exactly what just happened. Oh, yeah. And we, we were like, all right, 
We'll let you take that back. <laughs> but yeah, still. you better because yeah, this makes it. This is such a difficult creature to deal with. Yeah, it's like, well, yeah. and also you can go ahead and make it so that certain things where it's like, all right, when one creature attacks, only one can block. You can go ahead and use those kind of narrow doorway effects, mm. and those aren't super uncommon. Now, this is something that's a little different for being in black because there's no reason for you to want to sacrifice this. Right. You're not gaining life from this. You're also, I mean, the only thing it really does is it goes ahead and it kind of can make it so you constantly get five damage through or you disincentivize people attacking you who have non-invasive creatures right beyond that i don't there's not much else with the hype on this guy no i don't think it's even played that much in a competitive sense i think the only reason it's such a high price tag is because it's just never been reprinted no, it, well it recently was reprinted but it's still a decently high price mm, tag interesting so it's just one of those things where it's like it's just a good value card but beyond that, I mean, there are certain ways when this thing enters it can ping damage. There, there are yeah. certain combos you can go ahead and set this up, but I think typically you'd want this in more of a Rakdos build. And that could that could possibly work. Yeah, it's an interesting card for sure. Not sure where it has a home yet, but yeah. we'll see. But it's definitely scary once you go ahead and give it Vigilance. Oh, That's yeah. the end-all dream you want to have. Yeah. But moving on to number six, we have another Praetor, and mm. since I am the green player, I'm going to take him. It's called Vorinclex, Voice of Hunger. It costs eight mana, six generic, and double green for, again, a legendary creature Praetor. $18, too. Yeah, $18 for this bad boy. And it is a 7-6 with Trample that also has, whenever you tap a land for mana, add one more mana that that land could produce. And whenever your opponent taps a land for mana, that land doesn't untap till that controller's next untap step. Wow. Yeah. So, this does everything green wants to do, but this is green control, which is really good, really powerful. So pretty much, you get the idea, you're doubling your mana. We see cards like that. This is good for that, but the whole thing that makes this so oppressive is preventing people from getting their mana. Yeah, it's just, oh god, sitting across the table from this feels awful. Yeah, and especially for the fact if you go ahead and you use mana to spot removal this or board wipe it, even though you're still it's, not getting it back, you're yeah. not getting it back. It you still, even though that's off the table, you still had that stipulation tapped onto your lands, but they will mm. not untap. However, once it's off the field, you can use your other lands, and those will untap. But those that you just use for the greater good, out. Yeah, and like I said, I was on the fence about Elish Norn being the best Praetor. In my opinion, this is the best this Praetor. Could Absolutely. Be. However, usually when this thing comes out, it's not too hard to see somebody just go ahead and just, you know, use the sword to plowshares or path to exile, and which you didn't really get much value out of this. Yeah, but you could say that for Elish Norn as well. You know, I I just think not only are you denying other people mana, but then you double your own. And yeah, that's just kind of crazy. This is a super strong way to literally close out the game. Because yeah. the longer it's out, the worse it gets for everybody else. But this is great for a control build. I'm not sure if green control is necessarily there, but we do see this with something like Winter Orb. And those kind of decks are usually, you know, Esper-esque in their control form. Hey, this is good in any kind of green deck, though. It's a giant creature with trample that gives you a ton of mana and also hurts other people to sign me up in pretty much any <laughs> deck. Well, a green creature that gets you excited. Yeah, I guess that's fair. <laughs> yeah. But um, you can also cheat this into play. You could Elver Elvish Piper, oh, totally. uh, Quicksilver Al Amulet, or even Thran Gateway, which is the newer one that we yep, see. Absolutely. So it's good. it's definitely probably one of the better green cards we've ever seen from Wizards. And speaking of which, number eight on our list, we're just going to go ahead and talk about all the Praetors, apparently, because our next card at $17 is a little bit below the last one. 
is Shieldred, Whispering One, the Black Praetor. Again, a seven mana card, 6-6 six, six with Swamp Walk this time. You don't see that too often. No, you don't. But at the beginning of your upkeep, return target creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. And at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, that player sacrifices a creature. Another, I don't know what to say, another great, great card. This is one that you usually see as a commander, where the other ones you don't typically see as them. Yeah. They're usually more of the 99, but this is very common to see as it. And this is also going to be with, I'll show you as an example for why I feel like it's a little bit lower than the others, is because it takes time for this effect to actually do anything. It has to mm. stay alive to your opponent's turn or until your next turn. And so Vorinclex, the turn it comes into play, if you have something for you. Yeah, yeah, if you have excess mana, you can use it and you'll get the benefit. Whereas Elish Norn gets an effect instantly in play when that goes off. Vorinclex is more pseudo, because again, if he comes into play, they respond, you're getting the advantage yeah, right this there. This one doesn't do anything for you right away, but if you play this down and your opponent only had one creature out, that's yeah, that's gonna automatically be a bad time for them. And I've seen I've seen this thing lock down boards very easily. Oh yeah. Especially Voltron builds where they only have maybe one or two creatures and they're losing so much with this. This is just a free effect you're getting continuously over and over again. The only downside is this guy's huge. Like, to, for Black yeah. to get this mana, it needs the Rituals, it needs Cabal Coffers enabled with Urborg. So it takes some time to get there, but again, once you're there, you should be alright. The Swamp Walk's an interesting ability, too, because being unblockable sometimes with a giant body like this is pretty nice, but it's not as universally useful as something like Trample or Vigilance might be. Well, with Black, it's pretty easy to go ahead and make stuff a Swamp. Urborg, like I was saying, it's... That's usually the easiest way to enable any form of swamp walk. But we don't really see it with mountains. Like, we have, you know, Blood Moon, but we don't see too much mountain walk on no. commanders. We land walk, we just don't see a whole lot of anymore. I think we could... It's eh, a discussion for another video. We'll talk yeah. about that. But, but again, very good card. Not necessarily as useful as some of the other Praetors, but especially in a deck that's trying to bring a lot of creatures back from the graveyard. You get one for free every turn. That's well, crazy This good is Reanimator and Grave Pack together so it's a great meld oh yeah so moving on to number eight we have a classic card as well at 15 bucks batter skull yep now this is a five drop artifact equipment that has the living weapon tacked onto it but i'll talk about that in one second you can pay five mana to go ahead and equip this to a creature you can tap three mana to go ahead and return this card to its owner's hand but you also make it so that the equipped creature goes ahead and gets plus 4-4 four, four, Vigilance and Lifelink as long as it is equipped. Mm. But lastly, you get the extra awesome piece of information, which is the Living Weapon. Whereas this goes in and it creates a 0-0 zero, zero Germ token, which it instantly equips to, making it so that it is something that can go ahead and attack. Yeah. It's a Living Weapon, which is awesome. So... This is used for some infinite combos. You can use it for sacking, you can use it for mana. It's kind of like you see with the Paragon Drake, where it's like you can just go ahead and yep. return yeah, this to the hand and get the value going on. It's, it's a solid piece of equipment. It just, as long as you have the mana to do all this, you'll be fine. Yeah, plus four, plus four is a big boost. And putting Vigilance on top of that is just as good. Lifelink is probably the best part of this card because you can start gaining massive amounts of life every time you swing with this and Vigilance means you have no fear. 
and it, it just even has a built-in bounce ability. So if you lose the token it's equipped to, or if this thing is going to get removed by something, you can just bounce it back to your hand, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, and the fact is that it's not a tap effect, too. So, like, if they were to go ahead and use mm. some spot move on this, you can go in response, I'm going to pay this to return it. They can go in response and say, I'm going to destroy it with this now. Well, you can be like, well, I'll just pay the cost exactly. again and return this to my hand. So, mm -hmm. that's the only thing that really makes this thing so crazy is because... If that was a tap effect, this would be nowhere near as good. Well, there are also really easy ways to cheat this into play, just like every other artifact. But oh, this thing, Stoneforge Mystic, is this thing's partner in crime. Oh, yeah. One of the most feared plays that you used to be able to make in modern was like a turn two Stoneforge Mystic followed by a turn three two mana batter skull. That was really, really good. It's actually not surprisingly as good these days that will not win you the great game straight up these days but still it's pretty good yeah, it's, it's just solid value and it's a play you actually see in commander now mm -hmm. so it's kind of funny how it kind of got washed downstream to us mm -hmm. but it's yeah a great card solid utility great pacing i mean you typically see this from voltron you typically see this in white you typically see this in black and i mean What's not to like about yeah, this, really? Yeah, it's just a great all-around card, and the fact that it gives itself its own creature to equip makes it automatically better than most equipments. Yeah, and it actually is better than most of the other, other living weapons. But either way, mm -hmm. that's another topic. So, on to number nine. Again, yeah, this is a great, Classic. infamous card. Yeah, number, number nine, $12 a pop. We have Birthing Pod. Yes, the one and only. That is a four mana artifact and a colored artifact at this time. It's a green one, but it costs three mana and one Phyrexian green mana, potentially one green or two life. Its ability is that you can pay one and again, either one green or two life to tap it and sacrifice a creature and then put another creature from your deck onto the battlefield that has a converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrifice creature's converted mana cost. However, you can only use this ability anytime you can play a sorcery. So you can't use this at instant speed. That's sort of disappointing, takes a lot of the utility out of the way but right there. But it makes it However, so much fairer. Yeah, oh yeah, but if, if you, yeah, if you could use this at instant speed, that would be really silly. But just think about this, one of the best green cards in the history of Magic was Natural Order. And still you, is. that's still a very pricey card. You see some people playing it if they can, but it's a four mana card. You basically sacrifice a creature and put any creature from your deck into play. As long as it's is green. this that much worse than that? Probably not. Except this is recurrable. And even though you look at this, you're like, well, this costs six mana. No, this, this costs four mana yes. to use in one turn. Because yeah, it's going to hurt taking four life and paying four mana, which is pretty much the tax on this when you go ahead and initially pay it. But afterwards, it's just one mana, two life. Yeah, and being able to put any creature into play within reason because you have to pay attention to cost, but that's still very, very good. Wizards did a great job by making this have a color identity because if this was in any deck for Commander, this would be probably banned because it would just be nuts or again it'd be like soul ring everyone has one well heck it was banned in modern because of that specific thing it can be because they don't have color restrictions it could be played in every single deck yeah and it was so it's and it so... enabled way too many dumb combos so they had to ban it but yeah i'm glad this is still around in commander and it's funny this used to be one of the priciest commander cards you could get and it's not, it's not that anymore. It's really not. Well, no, it's actually gone up in price still. Because originally when we started coming in, after it's uh, kind of ro rotated out, 
It dropped a little bit. You could probably get one around like five bucks. It's 12 now. Just shows you the value of cards in Commander. Yeah, plus there's more and more cards that are being printed that can combo with this. Creatures that untap things when they come into play, so you can potentially chain multiple birthing pod activations together. Or just which see the are nutty. other artifacts can do that as well. Oh, they, yeah. This is something when it hits the field, it's a threat, it's a target, you need to answer it. Oh, yeah. And just for the fact that it is sorcery speed to activate it, that's the one way to really get around this guy. Yep, but it is scary. So you a, can't leave this alone. Well, it's a Yeast on the Wandering Bard as an artifact. Yeah, but also having a deck creature die in there gives you access to all kinds of other abilities, yep. too. So you do not, yeah. You, you well, must... you have ETBs and die triggers all mm -hmm. in one. Yep, this is one of those cards that gives insane value over the course of the game, and you must answer it. Yeah hear the call but at uh, number 10 this will be the final card from the monies that we're looking at and this is should be no stranger to most it's called pure steel paladin it costs 12 bucks around that and it costs two mana for double white it's a human knight which is now relevant for being a knight yeah it's got a 2-2 body so it's almost a hate bear and it has the effects of whenever an equipment enters the battlefield under your control draw a card also, Metalcraft, equipment you control have the equip cost of zero as long as you have three or more artifacts. Mm -hmm. You are overriding the cost of all equipments. Not many of them have an equip cost of zero, and the better that they are, the more they're costing. So being able to make it so that it's flat out zero is astounding. But not only that, you draw a card. Yeah, like, imagine that Argentum armor that for six mana comes into play, equips for nothing, does everything that it does. Oh, and by the way, you get another card too. Yeah. That's that's great. The value on it is incredible. This is this is literally Saram's kid. Oh yeah. Or cousin or nephew or prodigal student, whatever yeah. you want to call you it. You want to talk about the Knight Tribe or equipment supporting cards in general? This is one of the best. If not the best. Yeah. Uh, Stoneforge Mystic or this? That's uh, pretty close. Cool. Uh, yeah. Mystic is probably better, yeah. But this is pretty close. So yeah, free equips are great. The draw, though, is what really makes it great. Especially because it's an ETB trigger. It's not a cast. If it was a cast, this would be much more fair. But as it is, it is not. Yeah. So you can blink your equipments. You can you know, bring them back from the graveyard to the battlefield, whatever you want to do, and you're still going to draw more cards off this thing. I don't really know how you're blinking your equipment, but... Yeah, it's possible. Brago does it. A lot of other cards blink permanent. I guess Brago yeah. can do that. But the, the, the point Usually is... Usually it's creatures, but... Yeah. So you can... Like, the point is, it's the same reason that Arcades is a broken commander, because it's not limited to casting. It's just ETBs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's still good, people. Yeah, well... This is a staple in white, white Voltron the most. Oh, yeah. But again, any deck that's in white, they have so much tutorability for equipment. So it's mm -hmm. just longing for you to be like, hey, all right, just throw me in and throw me in. And the next thing you know, the deck's gone up by like 300 bucks because you're like, <laughs> oh, I haven't even put in equipment in this deck yet. It's like, well, and as we noted, the Knight Tribe is really a thing now, and a lot of it focuses on equipments. Yeah. So this is, I think, a definite staple for any of those And it's only going to go decks. up in price. This is a card that needs to get Reprinted. Stoneforge Mystic needs to get reprinted. They all need to get reprinted. But either way, 
It's a solid card. You can see why it's a money card. You can see also why it's on our top yeah, 10 list. Yeah, one of my favorite white cards of all time, for sure. <laughs> but if you like what we're showing you, please like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications. If you want to see the next set that we're doing, this is the last one we're doing for Mirrodin. We have another surprise set coming up for you the following week, hopefully. Yes, Fingers we do. Crossed. Check us out on Reddit, Tapped Out, Facebook, Twitter, any one of those pages. We're all at the card pool. And also, you can email us if you want to give us some questions, help out with the channel, whatever you want to do, at mtgthecardpool at gmail.com. And until then, I'm Stu. And I'm Kyle. And, and we'll, we'll see you next time at the card pool. pool.